Welcome to the C3 Silicon Valley Church Podcast. Senior pastors Adam and Kira Smalcom are so excited to share this message with you and believe that God will speak to you through it. Here at C3SV, we know that God has the best in store for you today and every day. I want you to grab your Bibles and I love you to open up to Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. Let me just give you, for time's sake, an introduction. You had a king that uh, was a very powerful king, and on a particular season, he decided to have a banquet that would last for seven days straight, unlimited food, unlimited alcohol. And so the guys had their area where they were parting it up, and the girls were in their place, and after a number of days of uh, drunken uh, episodes, what happened was uh, the king thought it would be a good idea to invite his queen to come and uh, dance and parade herself in front of all the men of that place. And so the message was sent to his wife, the queen, and she was in no, uh, you know, she was like, there's no way in the world I want to get in front of all these drunken men. You've got to understand that queens in this time uh, they weren't ugly ducklings. They were incredibly good-looking women. And the last thing she wanted was the guys to stare at in ways that she uh, didn't want to be stared in. And so what happened was she refused to turn up when her king, her husband, had asked her to turn up. The problem was is that the rest of the officials and the men of the day, they looked at the king and they said, look, this is the problem. If, if you don't do something about this, then we're going to have a revolt in the kingdom and all the women are going to refuse us and, and, and not going to listen to us. It was in a day where if the man spoke, that's how it was done. And, and uh, so he was in this position. And so uh, cut the story short, what happens? He decrowns her. She's no longer the queen. It's a, it's a bad situation for her. It's now a bad situation for him. He does a, a time of singleness. And uh, what happens is the officials say, we've got to do something about this. So they come to him and they say, look, we've come up with a, an incredible idea dear, uh, we want to put on a, uh, we're going to call it like, uh, I believe it's probably the very first uh, Miss World Beauty pageant that was uh, ever on. And so the idea was is that they presented to him as, let, let, let us go to all the regions, the provinces, and uh, we'll pick for you a, a number of different women, beautiful women. We'll bring them to the palace. We'll beautify them. We'll put them through the process. We'll get them to understand what it means to be a queen and how they're meant to serve you as a king. And uh, and he said to him, he goes, let, let me think about it. Great idea. Let's go ahead with that one. And so, uh, so what happens is the officials go out through the land and uh, that's exactly what happens. They they, they bring these, these girls into the place. One of those girls happens to be Esther, uh, the book of Esther, this lady that's there. What happens is, is that they go through this beautification process and then the big day comes where here they are on the catwalk and uh, don't even judge me because I've never done the catwalk, but uh, I don't know how they do it. They, um, am I doing all right, girls? And uh, messing it up and uh, I won't do that. Um, so, so here's the thing is that... Uh, uh, anyhow, amongst all these things, uh, uh, girls, uh, after doing the, the, you know, the, the nightwear and the, the swimwear and the, uh, the lingerie wear and all, all that, you know, all those things, uh, he, there was one girl that stood out from the rest of them, was Esther. I mean, there was something about it, it was beautiful, but there was something about it, he, he couldn't get it straight away, that's my queen, and so the, what happens, uh, she marries him, and uh, uh, after a bit of time uh, as being the queen, 
in, in that land, there were a whole lot of Israelites and God was blessing them. God was prospering them. And so everywhere they were going, whatever they put their hands to, God was blessing it. And so they were, uh, you know, acquiring land. They were, uh, you know, their, their crops were, were growing incredibly. Their, their livestock were, was prospering. And, and so the, the problem was is that one of the officials, his name was Haman. Now, a bit of an interesting name. And you, you walk up to him and say, hey man, hey man. Uh, and... Uh, Anyway, so, so Haman was like, uh, he didn't like this because you know what? They were taking over much of, uh, you know, his territory. And so he goes to the king. He says, the king, look, we've got to do something about this. And the king says, what are we going to do about this? And he says, look, I, I reckon we should choose a day. Let's wipe out all the, uh, these people. Let's, let's get rid of them. And uh, then, then what will happen is, is uh, then we, we can just do it ourselves. And the king said, let's do this. And so they set a day and... Uh, decreed that thing, set it out, and uh, not realising that his wife was an Israelite, not realising that he's just set a death warrant for his wife. She had a cousin by the name of Mordecai. Mordecai, uh, he had a lot of influence, and what happened was is that Mordecai hears about this, and, and, he, and he comes to, to the palace to, to visit her, and uh, we, we come to this, this scripture. And I want you to have a look here, and uh, in Esther chapter 4, and he gets a message through to her and she's like, man, you got to understand this, that if I go, uh, what's going to happen is uh, they're going to uh, literally take my head off. I can't step into his presence unless I've been invited into his presence. And this is what his response is in Esther 4 verses 14. I'm reading for NIV, NIV Bible. It says, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. But who knows that you've come to a royal position for such a time as this? Another translation would say, who knows that you've been born for such a time as this? I remember just meditating on the scripture and uh, that first part, uh, it says that relief and deliverance will arise from another place. And I, I was just thinking that over in my mind, if you remain silent this time, relief and deliverance will rise from another place. And as I'm meditating on this, God takes me into this vision and it was a very vivid, I could understand, I could see this vision. Here I am in a stadium. There was uh, somewhere around 15,000 people in the stadium. I was sitting way in the nosebleed section. We're talking way back, third, fourth row, right from the very back. I'm looking down and uh, I'm just seeing the energy that's in the place. And uh, next thing, there was a praise and worship team up there. The presence of God was incredibly thick. Probably the, the praise and worship team from this place there was incredibly powerful. And, and, uh, and I could just see that the power of God starting uh, to, to move in that place. And next thing, the preacher was on the stage and he started preaching. And in the middle of his message, I saw people that were blind. They, they started to see the, the death, their ears popped and they started to hear the dumb. They started to talk. People that were in wheelchairs were, were getting up and they were starting to, to walk. And there was so much power in his preaching that when he threw his hand, people that were in the seats were thrown off their seats. It was an incredibly powerful meeting that I was in. Next thing I, I noticed, even before the altar call took place, people started coming out of the seats and they, they were coming down on their knees and they were repenting before God, crying out to God to do something in their life. Suddenly I came out of that vision and then I heard the words from God speak to me say, that should have been you on the stage preaching. And I realised this, that if I remain silent at this time, 
Relief and deliverance will arise from another place. I realised that if I didn't step up to the calling that God had given, if I didn't step up to the, the vision that God had for my life, then, then I would miss out on, on one of the greatest opportunities of my life to, to, to become everything that God had created me to become, to, to be a part of bringing a miracle to a region, to be a part of, of bringing the gospel, seeing people won to Christ, seeing people healed, seeing people set free and delivered from things. If I remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise. From another place. See, see, I think that one of the worst things that could take place for us is that if we were to get to the end of our life and look back in regret, going, you know what, I had an opportunity when that church turned up here in Silicon Valley. I had an opportunity to partner with an incredible couple that had a vision from God that came half around the world because God had spoken to them. If I remain silent at this time, if I sit back and just let everyone else do it, if I, if I hold back, you know what? You're going to look back and regret. I've had many moments where I've regretted that I've never stepped out and had another shot. So you see, the thing is this, is that you know what? God's not limited by you. I'm sorry to offend you right now. But listen to me, God's not limited by you because sometimes people like to play this game. I, I noticed that when I first started the church, people would come running, Pastor, I can do this for you and I can do this for you and this is my resume of all the things. That, and I appreciate you telling me what the history and I appreciate that you come with, with some stuff. But, but at the end of the day, uh, you know what? Will, will it fit with the vision and will, it, will you be able to work alongside of us? Because we, we don't want to just have a one-man band. We want team. We're all about team. We're going somewhere together, hearing what I'm saying. The vision of our church is making God famous. Uh, I'm not about making me famous. I'm not making us, anyone else famous. If someone gets famous in the process of it, that's good and great, but it's all about making Him famous and lifting Him up in all situations. The Bible says that if, if I lift Him up, He's going to draw all men unto Himself. And so, so, so listen to me, uh, it's not all about you. And, and if you don't step up and do your part, listen to me, God will find someone else. Uh, there, there is someone else that will step in and take over. He's not limited by you. He will call someone from another place. Uh, I, I remember Billy Graham once saying that I was God's third choice. I was shocked by that. And then he started labeling this man of God and this man of God that was called to preach, but they never stepped up. And then he got the third calling. You ever wondered what your future and destiny in the kingdom of God could be? Oh, but pastor, you don't understand. You don't understand. I'm just a mother. You don't understand. I'm a business person. Listen to me. Every one of those are a unique calling. But you know what? When you align yourself with a vision from heaven, I tell you, the influence that we can have is incredible. So if you remain silent in this time, relief and deliverance will rise from another place. Then it says... Um, uh, then, then it says, uh, but, but you and your family, father's family will perish. The, the second thing is this, is that uh, if I don't step up and I don't do my part and I, I don't speak up for him and, and get involved and align myself to the vision, how many people in the meantime are going to perish? I remember as a, a youth pastor at Auckland, New Zealand, uh, one day I get a phone call from someone saying there's a 16-year-old boy, he's just come out of court, uh, he's too young uh, to, uh, you know, well, at the moment he hasn't done enough for him to go into juvenile justice. The, 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 the judge has told him he's got to do 100 hours of community service for some community organisation and we'd like him to come and work alongside you. And I said, that's totally fine. The following day he turns up and there he is 
uh, in that place. And what happens is, is that uh, he, he's helping us. Uh, we're needing to recover the chairs that was in our building. The pastor decided that we were going to do it, save money, make that happen. And so here we had uh, this, 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 uh, this guy that was upstairs recovering chairs. And I ha- we had a guy that was in the place who'd just come out of a very well-known gang in New Zealand called the Mongrel Mob. And uh, he was a big, massive uh, Maori guy. And uh, you probably don't know what that is, but he's a, a big, solid unit. And he'd just come out of incredible amounts of violence and drugs. And he got saved in the place. It was, it was ridiculously uh, incredible, the, the transformation had taken place. And he, he comes down the stairs and he comes into my office and he's like, Pastor, you need to go up and tell him about Jesus. And I'm like, man, you, you're the gangster. He's going to listen to you. What is he going to listen to me? This, you know, the geeky pastor, you, you've got a story to tell. He goes, oh, I'm too scared to say that. I mean, we're talking about this big, solid six foot five guy and, uh, and this tiny 16 year old guy. And, and I said, man, look, he's going to be doing 100 hours. I've got a few weeks ahead of me. I want to build a relationship, and then I'll download with him in that time. A few hours later, he comes back down. He goes, Pastor, I just really feel you've got to go right now and talk to him. And I was like, man, just, just give me time. He comes to me a third time, and third time, I, 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 I don't respond. I'm just like, I've got time. What happens is he goes home. I'm thinking, man, I've got a few more weeks of this. I'll be able to build with him. What happens is, is that the next day, he doesn't turn up. You know, the next day doesn't turn up. And what happens, a number of days go by, he doesn't show up. A few weeks, in fact, goes by. And I'm not going to chase him. It's not my job to do that. In fact, you know, the judge can do that. And uh, it's, it's not really my place to, to do that. And, uh, but then I get a phone call one night telling me that that particular day, uh, they had been on the drink and uh, decided that they were going to go for a drive at three o'clock in the afternoon. When school came out, they thought what they would do is get in the car and they would spin the wheels up right outside the school with the stereo stand up, uh, turned up, and uh, they'd just make a big scene of themselves because they just want to look cool in front of their friends. So what happens is, is that he gets in the, 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 the back seats and uh, his friends in the front seat. And what happens is as they're going around the school, the stereo's turned up, the, round, the ground is wet, and uh, he spins it up too hard, and he loses control of the car, and he slams the car right into a post that was on the side of the road. Instantly, uh, the guy that I was meant to witness to hits his head and uh, he's knocked out. He's taken off to hospital and that night I'm called. I, I go into that place and uh, there he is. Later that night, he died. 16 years of age, had so much potential ahead of him. I tell you, it was at that moment, the regret that came through me because I heard from God through a number of moments You need to share the gospel with them. You need to step up. But how many people are going to perish if I don't step up and do what he's called me to do? I mean, while he was, before he died, uh, I was able to grab a hold of his hands. I was able to lead him in uh, a prayer of salvation. I I don't know if he was listening to me. I'm hoping and believing that he made a commitment. And I know that we serve a faithful and just and graceful God that's willing to take him no matter what stage of his life to turn his life around. But the thing is this, is that, you know what, uh, uh, how many are going to perish? If I if I'd have remained silent and held back, I would have missed out on the opportunity to become a youth pastor. I would have missed out on the opportunity to move to Australia, to, to sin under a great ministry, under Pastor Phil Pringle, and to be sent to the Gold Coast to plant a church. I would have missed out on that. And, and here's the thing, is that I would have missed out on, I think now it's 2,800 people that have come to Christ over the last five years. I would have missed out on seeing miracles take place. 
One guy went and planted the church 73 years of age. And uh, he loved God, but he was dying of cancer. And do you know what? He said, man, the last thing I want to do is die of cancer. If I die, I'm dying. I'm going home to heaven, but I don't want to die of cancer. And he believed for God. And in that, one of our servers, we prayed for him and he got supernaturally healed. Checked off by God. And then he went home to heaven, healed. Phenomenal story. I, I love this story. Last Sunday night before uh, we, we, we got on a plane to fly here. I do the altar call and uh, one guy responded and uh, I don't care if we got one, we got 100, but you know what? We're going to pray the prayer of salvation and this guy comes out and uh, said, man, is there anyone else? Next thing this girl comes out in a wheelchair. I'll get this, man. What happens? She comes around. She wants to give her life to Jesus. What happens is I, I look at them both. You're both about to make the greatest decision of your life. And what happens is, as I said, repeat this prayer and you know how it works. I pray the prayer of salvation and then I lay hands on them and I just ask God to seal and for, for him to start working the life. I, I turned to this girl in the wheelchair and I grabbed a hold of her hands and I just asked God, would you bring healing to her life? Would you do a work in her life? Would you bless her? Would you look after her in Jesus' name? Amen. I, I then opened my eyes and I looked at her. I got down on my knees and I looked at her and I said, uh, how are you feeling? And she looked at me. Now, she understands very well. She just has it very hard to communicate. And she says this in her language. She said, I want to walk. I, I, I said, you want to walk? I stand up. I said, you're going to walk, girl. Let's do this. And so I got the whole church up on their feet. We stretched our hands out and we started to pray. And then I called over one of, one of our team and we, we lifted her up and there she was uh, with her hands uh, in our hands. We're holding her. There is literally no muscle or strength in, in her legs. And, and I said, I want you to do something you've never done before. I want you to step out. She's trying to move her legs, but there's no muscle. There's nothing taking place. And I called my wife over and uh, she must have the gift. And uh, she laid hands on her feet and, and, uh, and she started helping her. Uh, take a, a step and started to move her and then she moves out of the way. Next thing she she starts to, to walk. I mean, we've got all the weight, but she's starting to move her, her legs for the first time in her entire life. 22 years of age, she's walking like this. Next thing, all the weight completely is on her legs and she's walking like this. We're having to balance her because she she's her legs are all twisted up, buckled up and uh, we're trying to hold her. We, we get to this end and we get her to turn around and then we say, okay, let's do this again, back this way. And as we're walking back that way, we both let go. And here she is walking along. God supernaturally bringing healing. If you remain silent this time, I tell you, there are miracles that don't come from this house, miracles that don't come from your life, miracles that God has called you to, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in your school or university, but I wanna tell you, out of this place, they're incredible miracles, signs and wonders that are gonna take place. <laughs> I like water. But then finally... You're born for such a time as this. Who knows that you've been born for such a time? I believe that we all have born for such a time moments. I'll ask the band to come and join me. We have moments where we're born for now. Moments where God turns up. I've had a number of different moments where God's turned up. The first moment that God turned up in my world, 
19 years of age, I, I was a church kid. My parents were pastors. And so I was one of these kids who went to church week in, week out. I hated church. I, I felt church was a, a boring environment. I never wanted to be there. What happened was, is here I am in my bedroom. I'm just broken up out of a relationship and I was ready to, I, that, as far as I was concerned, that's it. I'm going to go and do the drugs. I'm going to go and do the alcohol. I'm going to go and hold hands with as many girls as possible. But I said, God, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm reading a book. A story. A guy by the name of Benny. And many know, may know that name. But talking about how he brought up under an orthodox background and very traditional has an encounter with God in his bedroom. I said, I want this. I threw my, the book down and I got on my knees and I said, God, I, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want your fire. Instantly, God stepped into the room. I felt the power and presence of God rush through me. It's incredible heat. Body started to shake. What does that mean? I, I really don't know, other than the fact that all my head knowledge went to my heart. My life was never the same again. There was no looking back for me. That encounter turned my life around forever. A number of years later, I was in a hotel. There I was. With my senior pastor, Pastor Phil Pringle, he wasn't my senior pastor at the time. I was living in, in New Zealand. He was in Australia. We'd done 10 years of youth ministry at that time. And I just said to him, I said, you know what? We're ready to be senior pastors. And he gets a piece of paper out and we wax me. He's a violent man in a good way. I said, why don't you come? Why don't you come and join us? In essence, he was saying, would you get on the bus with us? Would you partner with us? And then we'll send you out. It was an opportunity of a lifetime. I could give you many other stories. Remain silent at this time. Relief and deliverance arise from another place. Who knows how many will perish? But I've been born for such a time as this. Listen to me, you've been born for such a time as if there is a reason, there is a purpose. You ain't no mistake. God has put you here on planet earth for such a time as this. And you've got to make a decision because the bus has turned up here. It's called C3 Church, Silicon Valley. And over the coming days, the coming weeks, your pastors are going to speak to every one of you in this place. Say, hey, would you get on board with the vision? Would you get on board with the bus? It might be one-on-one. It might be from the platform on a Sunday. But the call of God to partner with this vision, to have an impact on a region that desperately needs Jesus Christ. This region is known for technology. This region is known for business. But let me prophesy, this region will be known for a revival that sweeps right through this land. People send out all over the world. And it's going to start because someone stood up and said, you know what? I've been born for this time. 
a beggar. It's a poor man. Every day we turn up in the marketplace and beg for money, anything, any food, money for me, sir. One day he hears that the richest man in the land is going to be coming through his part of town. And he heard stories about how the emperor had taken beggars like himself and turned his life around forever. He goes home, he goes, wife, he guess what? I'm going to be rich. We're going to be rich. And she, I mean, it was just another idea. I'm going to be rich. And he goes to his neighbours. We're no longer going to live in this dump. My wife's not going to have to wear those clothes. Johnny, their son, you know, any toy you want, you can have. He was just, as far as they're concerned, just a, a beggar, bum, that, that was looked on in disgust. Days go by, man, he, he planned his speech, what he was going to say to the emperor. It, it, like, like the story that we talked about from the Bible, you don't speak out to this emperor. He's the, the most powerful. He's the richest, the, the most powerful man in the land. You, you, you don't speak unless he speaks. But you know what? This is once in life opportunity. The emperor's coming to his town. So man, the, the morning of the day, he turns up. He doesn't know what time, but he, there he is on his knees and a few hours go by, the sun comes up and the marketplace, there, there are literally thousands of people turned up because they know the emperor's coming through and they wanted to see the procession. The afternoon, at some point they hear a rumble and he looks up and on the horizon, he sees this dust cloud. And it's at that point, the entire marketplace goes silent. They know the emperor's coming. And out of this dust cloud comes out soldiers, Spears and swords and soldiers on horses and this procession starts moving through the, the middle of this marketplace and right in the middle of them was this elephant and on top of the elephant was this emperor. He's the richest, the most powerful man in the land. Place is dead silent and the emperor was not really a man of many emotions. While he's on his knees and as the emperor comes past, he goes, Emperor, Emperor, money, food for the poor. It's at that point, the soldiers jumped off their horses and they, they came and they unleashed their swords. They were about to take his head off. It was at that point, the Emperor said, stop. Soldiers back off. And the Emperor gets off his elephant. He walks over to him and there he is on his knees. He looks up and says, money, food for the poor. My wife's at home sick and a son. I don't know if they'll ever go through another week. Money food for the poor, anything, sir. I'll humble myself before you. The emperor noticed that around his neck was this little pouch. He said, what's in that pouch? See, what would happen was that any takings, any food, any money you got, he put it on this pouch. It was, was safekeeping, was nice and close to him. Explain that to the emperor. The emperor said, I want what's in that pouch. He couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. The richest man is stealing from a beggar. What could you do? That day he'd received five grains of rice. So what, what can you do with five grains of rice? He knew that he needed to feed his, his wife and his child. And so what he does is he reluctantly takes it off his head. I mean, he's got a smile on his face. And what happens is, is that he, he, he drops out one, two, th three grains of rice and he, puts that in places into the hand of the, the emperor. 
emperor doesn't thank him. He just looks at it. Then he turns around. He gets up on his elephant. Move on! He's seeing the whole army starts moving on. So at this moment, the disappointment of what he'd promised his wife and the embarrassment that he's gonna have to go through that community because he promised so much to so many people. He starts to cry. And after about five or 10 minutes of crying, tears and he wipes his eyes and as he opens up his eyes, he sees in front of him something sparkling and he, and he wipes his eyes, he reaches down. One of the biggest diamonds he's ever seen. And as he's looking from, from his right eye, he sees an, another diamond, two of the, the biggest diamonds he's ever seen. He stands to his feet and two of the biggest diamonds there. And he's looking around. Next thing, the, the third diamond, three of the biggest diamonds he's ever seen. He's looking around. And then he got it. I gave three grains of rice and he gave me three diamonds. Three grains of rice, three diamonds. Then he said this. If only I'd known, I would have given him everything I had. He runs to the side of the street. Emperor, Emperor, if only I'd known, I would have given you everything I had. By that point, it crossed the horizon. It was too late. Why do I tell you that story? There will be a point you pass from this life to the next. The Bible says that when you pass to the other side, you'll stand before the Creator of heavens and earth. His name's Jesus. And depending on the choices that you make in this life will determine whether you end up on the other side, whether it's heaven or hell. And it'll be at that moment, when you get to the other side, you'll see the gold roads. You'll see the mansions. You'll see the majesty of heaven. But really, you're gonna be taken by who's standing in front of you. The majestic, the power of the creative heavens and earth, Jesus Christ Himself. And you look at Him, and you say, if only I'd known, I would have given you everything I had. Right now, I wanna give you an opportunity to get your life right with God. Because there is gonna be a time you pass from this life to the next. I hope and pray it's of a long life. 80, 90, 100 years of age. But as I said, you know what? Some people die far short. You don't know what's gonna happen today on the way home. You don't know what's gonna happen this week. The best thing that you can do is respond and say, I wanna give you everything I've got. I wanna give you my life. If you choose to live your own life, when you pass from this life to the next, I'm sorry, you're not gonna get heaven. But you make the choice today. Pray the prayer, Jesus, would you come into my life? I wanna become a Christian. There's a guarantee from Him that you spend eternity with Him in heaven. And what I'm gonna do very shortly is I'm gonna count to three. And when I get to three, I'm gonna ask hands to go up across this room. Who needs to lift their hands? Three types of people that need to lift their hands. The first person that needs to lift their hands is someone that's never given their life to Jesus. The second person that's never given their life, to, so the second person needs to respond is someone that would call himself backslidden. You once was with God, but something happened, you fell away from God. Maybe you got hurt. Maybe you got offended. Somehow you've turned up here today and you know what? You, you're hearing this message and you know what? You know that you need to respond. The third person that needs to respond is someone that's not living 100% for God. 
come to church every week, but really you haven't given more. And you know you need to respond this day. So here we go. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes. Respect the people around about you. You may not respect anything that I've said, but respect the people around about you because I believe God has spoken to people all over this auditorium. Count of three. You've never given your life to Jesus. You're back son, not living 100% for God. When I get to three, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hands. And you're just gonna be signaling because every eye's closed. You're gonna be saying, Kerry, would you include me in the prayer? I wanna become a Christian. Here we go. One. Be bold. Two. Don't rather the person left or right of you. Here we go. Three, lift your hands if that's you. Come on, it's hands going up all over. I want those hands lifted high. Let me see those hands as they go up around the place. Is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Come on, nine. Anyone else? 10, 11, 12, 13 hands. You can put your hands down. Is there anyone else in this place that says, Kerry, I wanna get my life right with God. I wanna become a Christian. Would you be bold enough today to lift your hands and say, would you include me in that prayer? I wanna become a Christian today. I wanna respond. I wanna get my life right with God. I wanna have access to heaven. If there's anyone else, just lift your hands. Let me see those hands. Thank you, I see that hand. Is there anyone else in this place? Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Move across every person in this place. Come on, if you've lifted your hands at least once, would you do it one more time? Let me see those hands one more time. You've lifted it just one more time. Let me see those hands. You can put them down right now. I want you to open your eyes right now. Listen to me. Lifting your hands doesn't get your life right with God. Conversation with God. I wanna lead you in a prayer. Man, there's so many people all over the place and I would like to meet with you. I'd like to shake hands with you and lead you in a prayer. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna stand to our feet. And if you lifted your hands, there were at least 13 to 15 hands that went up. What I want you to do is I want you to move to, to the one of the aisles. I want you to come down, meet me down on the floor here and I wanna shake your hands. So come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's put our hands together. If you lifted your hands, would you slip out? If you came with friends, then, then would you bring them with you? If you bought someone, they lifted their hands. Thank you for listening to today's message. We trust you heard from God and that you're more encouraged, more refreshed, and more in love with Jesus than you were before. If you ever find yourself in the Bay Area, we'd love for you to come and attend a service. For more information about C3SB, please visit www.c3sb.com.